Welcome back to the Turn Row Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Ethan, and with me, as always, is Kevin. Hello, everybody. And Colt. Yeah, he's just waving. You can't hear him. <laughs> it's better that way. Um, and uh, hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the most polite, uh, silent hello I've got from him. So, uh, and today we have a guest, uh, John. Uh, he's not really a guest, by the way. Yeah, that's true. He's been on several podcasts before. He's kind of our rotating host that tags on. I was the host, and then I stopped joining. He's <laughs> he got too cool for us. <laughs> But uh, anyway, John's good. He's one of our precision specialists. Um, he's kind of on the B team. You know, Kevin is the A team. And then I don't know, oh. John. I don't know what John really does. But, <laughs> uh, so we thought, you know, why not bring in the bat, you know, the, the, the guys, you know, they do stuff too. So we'll, we'll see what John, <laughs> we'll see what John <laughs> has in store for us. Uh, if looks could kill. I think my wife gives me that look you're giving me and it's not a nice one by the way um yeah, you're really making it seem like people should turn it off right now no man this is what you call entertainment oh in the, in the showbiz so anyway so we have john he's going to talk to you about precision ag some tools we have services we have and um yeah we thought we thought we would highlight some precision ag services in this episode um and specifically some that um that John has been working with. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll probably start out with, with uh, we've got a smart pivot monitoring product, and then he's also working with some cow counting stuff. And uh, we thought it'd be interesting to uh, let everybody hear that and um, see uh, maybe how they can utilize it or uh, understand or learn more about it. So um, with that, John, do you want to, which one do you want to start with? Well, I can just kind of uh, start with a brief overview of, of all the different precision services we we have, and then we can get more in depth on, you know, some things that guys can take advantage of uh, in season, and then some things to think about, um, you know, on some wheat ground um, that's going to be harvested here pretty soon, and um, or maybe some fallow ground that we could we could do some work on this summer um as guys are preparing for um their summer crops for next year so you know just going through the list of of services that we offer um you know pretty much any kind of variable rate application that a a, a guy wants to do um you know it we can do it uh whether it's variable rate seeding uh, fertility, hybrid, irrigation. Um, we're, we've pretty much made a wreck for, you know, any and all of those things. Um, you know, if somebody wants to try something and we've never done it, you know, we're always willing to, to explore it and see what we can make happen. Um, it's pretty interesting that we've had two or three, well, maybe more than that, of people people want actual images in their seeding uh maps you know whether it's a multi-hybrid or or whatever you know what we did a did a power cat last year and a what a chief's emblem 
A power cat, is that some type of obscene gesture that you <laughs> for, some, uh, yeah. for those K State fans out there, they uh they they recognize what that means. I, I hope you charge an exorbitant amount of money to put something so obscene in the corner. <laughs> so, you know, um you probably could tell from a yield map too, because the power cat was probably twenty bushels less. <laughs> oh, oh. I, Ooh. Actually, actually, um, it, it you know it did show up in the imagery, but um, you know we had some high res aerial imagery on it, and you know it tasseled at different times, um, and then one desiccated faster than the other at or at a different rate. But um, overall yield, there was there wasn't much difference um, in overall yield. So, yeah, this year, pretty um, cool. We have the capability to do all that, really. You know. Oh yeah, and the detail um, on it was was really, you know, I was kind of worried about about that, but the detail and and the level of precision or accuracy of of the equipment to be able to put, you know, a specific hybrid seed in the right spot to to make that you know, the different outlines and, and stuff is, was really impressive. So yeah, we, we've got some stuff out there, um, that we helped make the recs for this year. Um, people on, on ag Twitter and stuff have probably, um, seen some different ones that our, our grower has posted, um, that he's done that we, we were able to do. Um, so it, yeah, it's very interesting to be able to take, you know, a practical application like uh, a Verberate hybrid and, you know, we've got lots of lots of fields where we're doing Verberate hybrid placement or seeding maps um, for a practical agronomic sense. But then, um, you know, sometimes it's fun to just play and, and do things um, for the entertainment value of it too um, or promotional um, aspect of it. And when you do it on a half mile um, piece of dry, dry land or half section or whatever, or um, even a quarter mile or um, pivot, you know, that makes a big statement, um, <laughs> it whatever should. it is. So, <laughs> um, especially, especially to uh, the same people that, uh, Mr. Elon Musk is trying to reach, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we should do. We should contract with Elon Musk and put billboards in, you know, in, in the corn. <laughs> Welcome. This is our earth. Welcome. So you can see it from space, huh? <laughs> but, but no, John's right. I mean, the accuracy within that and, you know, so through all the, the jokes and, uh, and whatnot, what you said is like with the power cat, the yields were no different. Mm -hmm. muscle minus so um they that's what's really important you know uh, that's the point of doing multi-hybrid stuff is to uh you know level out some of your yields you know when, and maybe maybe not your yields but level off some of your inputs in in subpar areas would you agree or well yeah, yeah. i think it's risk management right you know, like another version of risk management you're already doing that with variable rate irrigation but then 
or excuse me, variable rate planting, but then when you do the hybrid, it's just another level or no, another depth. Of yeah. So if you have, I don't know, you say have a sand hill or something. So you, you put a, uh, a variety, you switch to that, you know, that boundary when you hit that sandy hill, um, then um, to a variety that's going to provide better. And then down in the bottoms, you have one that is going to, you know, you, <clears throat> instead of limiting yourself to what variety was going to perform on the bottom, but it's going to just be terrible at the top or vice versa. You put it the right variety where it's needed and you have the, you know, you have a, a yield that uh, is more streamlined. So. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the strategy with what um, these guys are doing is, you know, having an offensive and defensive hybrid, um, you know, we're, we're limited uh, to two hybrids right now in, in these boxes um, and so, yeah, it's, um, you know, on a lot of these ground, a lot of these pieces of ground that we're doing this on, we've got, um, EC data, um, we've got, you know, slope data, uh, elevation data and stuff. And so, um, and, and past yield data, um, from, from the time before, you know, when they were just putting out a single hybrid. And so, you know, they're able to make a, a very educated, you know, recommend educated recommendation on, okay, we think these hybrids will do perform better. Um, like you said, on the hilltops and these other ones will produce better on the bottoms, or it may just be a different, you know, soil texture or soil characteristics and stuff um, in specific spots and, and changing those varieties definitely um, puts you in a position to, to do better, you know, across the entire field um, on a more consistent basis. Exactly. So it, you know, it, it just, it kind of shows how, you know, this, the EC mapping and stuff was an investment that these growers made, you know, a number of years ago. Um, and as the technology progresses on their equipment and, what they're able to do, you know, on their planters, on their sprayers, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like having these base layers of data allows them to you know, be more progressive or get more out of the equipment that they're already investing in, you know, because they have to as they upgrade. Um, and, you know, there's no, that value, that data that they've invested in, you know, however many years ago just becomes that much more valuable as they're, you know, moving forward or they're able to get more out of it than what they even initially thought. So, um, you know, it just kind of, we always get that question. Well, how is this, how's precision ag going to pay? How are these layer data layers going to pay? And, and we always have a trouble answering that question because um, there are so many variables that go into the success of a crop in a given season. But if you look at it over time, the the cost of you know an EC layer or um, well, I'd say a grid sample layer, but that's you know usually good for just you know it's kind of got a um, expiration date expiration date on it. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Um, so you know there's there's different data layers out there that are more, I don't want to say more valuable, but 
have that longer shelf life than than others but it doesn't you don't always know how they're going to pay off um until we get it and really start evaluating what we can do with it and um and then like some of these that that don't have an expiration date like ec data um well i shouldn't say that because if we've got flooding like we did last year that data pretty much becomes irrelevant but um without an act of god most of this data um is still still valuable for um long periods of time so you know the value we can get out of it and and implement on the farm is you know it's hard to put a number on that it is it and you know i guess a long time ago the key word in precision ag was well if i do this i'm gonna save money (laughs) there is value to the and and that does happen but it's not always the case you know there's more to it than just saving money you know you do it um for other reasons as well so you're uh, you're spending your money efficiently yeah. yeah and that may in turn save you money you may have a, a an acre of uh, a 10 acre spot in the field that's just it should not be farmed you know, right. just, efficiency, you know efficiency so yeah so instead of spending 300 dollars an acre on that let's spend 100 and maybe we'll you know keep some weeds out yeah you know i mean you still got to pay rent. You know, I mean, there's still certain things that are going to be there, but mm-hmm. this will pull some dollars out of that. And yeah, we, we want to increase the, the ROI number across every acre. Um, that's, that's something we've, we've kind of transitioned to from, you know, when I first started at CropQuest, my, my initial thoughts were on precision were, well, let's, let's take out the, let's even these fields out. And, you know, that was kind of a night young, naive, um, college kid thinking that I had it figured out. But now we've, as things have progressed and, and, you know, we've learned a lot over, um, you know, over a decade and a half now of doing more precision work. Um, you know, it's it's more about that ROI on every acre and, and increasing that than it is evening out a field. For sure. So it may not, you may not have, you know, the highest yielding field um, to brag about at the coffee shop, but by God, your bank account looks pretty dang good. Yeah. So it's kind of, but you'll be sitting lopsided because your wallet's so thick, you know. <laughs> just can't sit down, right, boys? Here, let me take this. This few other, I'll pay for the coffee, you know. There you go. So, and that you know, and that that's the I guess modern farming too is you. Um, you, I'm getting more and more guys talk to me about ROI. Talk about not necessarily saving money, but, um. You know, I guess uh, let's take this to a consultant level of, of kind of what I do. Um, you know, I, I picked up a, a new customer. He's very much, uh, the, you know, ROI is what we talk about all the time on everything we do. You know, and we sat down this winter. Um, I said, look, you know, a lot of consultants in the past have tried to save you in a profitability. This is not what we're here to do. We're here to try to, you know, make more pounds, make more bushels and do that efficiently 
to get your, get you a better ROI. And, um, you know, the first recommend recommendation I made, he said, I thought I was going to save money. You, you remember the conversation we had? This is, <laughs> I never said I was here to cut corners. You know, right. <laughs> we're not doing this. And, right. uh, and it, it we're, we, we're close. We can have those conversations, but, um, you take that analogy and push it to precision ag is it, it helps you. Um, I guess what am I trying to say here? Uh, if you're, if you're hyper-focused on your ROI and you're doing it without integrating these tools that Kevin and John have, you're really doing it blindly. You know, you need to have, um, you need to have EC data ran. You need to start doing these multi-hybrid variable rate stuff. Cause then you can really dial in, that ROI uh, to a much, you know, instead of a course adjustment, like on a scope, it's a fine adjustment, you know? You know, it's so interesting. You know, we started doing this, what, probably close to 10 years ago running EC, and like it keeps evolving. First, it was just variable rate, you know, seeding purposes, or, or and now the, the old, if you will, data layer keeps evolving because, you know, it, it is it is your soil, you know, and your soil doesn't change, but it's, it's definitely interesting that we continually find new ways to, to utilize it. Yeah. It, you know, we were initially using that as a base layer, you know, the, the EC soil maps as, like you said, a base layer for, for seeding maps. Um, and then it's fertility and now it's uh, variable rate irrigation, um, you know, using it to help place, water probes in their most you know effective place um variable rate hybrid you know that it's uh yeah like you say it's an always evolving thing um and you know that's we always know that you know problems start with the soil and you know that's one thing that in a world of variables that stays pretty consistent and and then we can we can start fine tuning from there. So, so you are talking about how precision ag is evolving. Um, what is the next step in the evolution? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, do you have? I guess two part question. What is the next step that you're integrating now? And what do you think is the next step that we're beyond that that will be in begin to use day to day? So. I would say, I mean, we, we talked about this variable rate hybrid thing or technology, I shouldn't call it a thing. Um, you know, that's, that's something that is not widely available or not widely um, utilized, you know, just because of the cost of it. Um, and I think that, that that's something we'll probably see progress more. Um, and even if guys don't have a variable rate hybrid planner, you know, they may be, you know, maybe they should look at doing some, some test plots and stuff of, you know, what varieties are doing better and on what pieces of ground. And then maybe, um, you know, figure out what that ROI would be if they had, um, if they could, if they could do that placement of specific hybrids um, for, for certain situations. And maybe it would make sense for them to, to make that investment in a, in a variable rate hybrid planner. Um, you know, it's, 
there's a lot of factors that go into that, you know, harvest, um, you know, if you guys have their own dryers and those kinds of things, I know that was a concern for a grower I talked with last year about, you know, he was upgrading planters and he was concerned, well, how much propane is it going to cost me to, you know, if I've got two different hybrids in the field and one's dry and one's wet, um, you know, how's that going to affect, affect me? on my storage costs and drying and all that stuff. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, but um, you know, if you're not testing and trying to, you know, figure out what it could be, you don't, you don't know. Um, so that, that would be one thing, you know, I, I see coming. Um, the other is, you know, some of the, the in season things that we're doing. Um, it's not really, um, precision ag from an application standpoint but it is um, you know when we start talking about um, aerial imagery or agricultural aerial imagery um, and looking at um, pivots and even drip um, subsurface irrigation um, you know, one thing that we can fix and, and be very proactive on is, you know, fixing nozzle issues or, you know, if we've got um, emitters not putting out water in sub subsurface irrigation or, or putting too much out, um, you know, those are simple things that can affect a lot of yield. Um, and that's with the use of, um, artificial intelligence and machine learning and pattern recognition, those kinds of things, you know, pairing that down with our boots on the ground information where we're, where we're ground truthing this data, you know, that's, that's where a lot of in-season stuff is happening um, right now that we're, you know, we're, we're implementing it. Plus we're still learning and developing it. Um, you know, that's, this is a, the imagery is a, has been an ongoing evolution of, of things. Um, and as technologies increased, what we can do with it, what we can learn from it is, um, you know, always evolving as well. So. Yeah. I don't, I wonder, you know, we have all these data layers and, and you said it with art, the artificial intelligence, but it's data analytics, you know? Okay you know, what, what hybrids and what responds best in this EC or soil type. And, um, maybe, maybe down the future, it's where do weeds emerge first, you know, in the field, does it follow that? Um, you know, it, yeah. it's getting more and more technical with the data and the layers we have. Yeah. You know, you, that's funny. You mentioned that because we do have an agronomist that has, um, Oh, like 80 to 85% of all his, the ground that he consults on has an EC layer on it. And he, he will make some variable rate um, herbicide recommendations based on his EC layers because he knows where, you know, his heavier populations of, of weeds are going to emerge. Like he'll, he'll put on like a heavier rate on, on those pieces of, uh, or those different soil types versus you know another piece you know he's still putting out uh, a herbicide across everything just to have you know his residual and stuff but 
he'll put a higher rate on on some of those other ones just because he knows he's got you know a higher population of weeds there well that's interesting because uh in a previous podcast we talked about with um one of our agronomists from australia and that's that was their deal they they use stuff like weed seeker technology um to spray expensive chemistry only where you need it and Mm -hmm. you know it seems like in a way you know that's could be where we're heading especially with resistant issues you know every 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 year has different challenges and and specifically these pigweeds are a bear yeah and um, i don't know if y'all have been watching the news or your emails but we just were uh throwing a curveball with the uh dicamba today so yeah not to date the podcast but um yeah that's it's gonna be tough well that's the the other thing too with with the challenges with regulations you know what what's what what is gonna stay and excuse me what what is gonna be taken away and and how do we utilize how can we prove that we're utilizing um things the way that they're supposed to in a manner that's environmentally friendly. I mean, we are environmentally friendly, but if we're going to use yeah. more potent stuff, then let's only apply it where we absolutely have to. Because yeah, the best stewards of the land are, are farmers and landowners. I mean, they live on these farms. Yeah. You know, that we're not, these aren't, you know, they're not dumping nuclear sludge into the water source. I mean, well, they got to, I mean, <laughs> They wouldn't be feeding their, I mean, they're feeding their family with the same stuff they're producing, you know? Yeah. And, and they have to produce a, a viable crop that is yeah. uh, healthy for their consumer or they won't have a consumer. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, and a lot of these farmers are raising their families, you know, right next to the fields that are getting sprayed with these chemicals and, and stuff. And yeah. if they didn't think it was safe for their kids, they wouldn't apply it and sell it to somebody else you know it's not like it doesn't affect them personally whatever they apply out there yeah yeah so you know it's one of the so we're we're doing some testing this year um on satellite imagery looking at like so one thing with all these data layers is having the time to to go through them and actually figure out okay is there some relevance to what we're seeing you know let's concentrate specifically on on imagery um regardless of of platform that it comes from you know there's so many different indices there's so many different you know ways we can slice the data but it just we don't have the time to do it and um you know working with companies like fluorsense um or fluorsat and their fluorsense app um you know that that's something that we're we're looking at and evaluating okay can this technology identify specific areas in a field that we we just don't have the time to you know we could come to that same conclusion but it can do it in you know microseconds versus you know us spending an hour to come to the same conclusion and it can see things that your eye can't because it's an actual, you know, it's a sensor. It's sensing light and wavelengths that <laughs> that we we humans can't can't detect. Right. So, like we had, I have an example. And this was this came off of satellite imagery, but 
Um, a spot in the field. Um, you know, we had a stress alert come up on the field. It's um, I don't I don't know what the growth stage on the corn was, but I'm guessing it was somewhere between um, V4 to V8, somewhere in there. And they had sprayed some some grass on that field uh, last week. And so from one week to the next, we had live grass and then we had dead grass. Um, and the grower and the agronomist um, both went out there two different times and, and evaluated this spot. And um, it was funny, the, the grower evaluated as well. You know, we did have, you know, it, I think it just alerted on basically that uh, grass um, being killed so that, you know, there was less vigor there. Uh, and the agronomist goes out and, you know, notices the same thing, but she also notices, you know, the corn is a little bit more stunted in that area. There were some higher um, residue um, levels there. And, you know, she starts looking around some more and, you know, there may be some, some evidence of iron chlorosis in that spot. Um, so, you know, even with the corn being that um, small, and utilizing the satellite image, um, you know, it, with the use of the analytic tools that we we have at our disposal, um, we're able to pick up on just some slight nuances um, that might not be, we might normally not notice that until the corn gets, you know, much taller. So, you know, just small things like that is, I mean, we're, we're learning so much about how this technology can, what it can decipher and how we can utilize it, um, not only in our service, but to enhance our service, you know, for the benefit of our growers. Um, so that's, that's very, uh, it's kind of fun and exciting. So let's, let's talk more about this um, floor, you know, working with Florosat and, and how we're utilizing that here at CropQuest and, and kind of stay along the same lines as what we were just talking about with you know, the satellite imagery, but using, you know, air, airplane imagery instead. Yeah. So we've, we've partnered with uh, Travion Aerial Imagery um, in, in Florsat this, this summer to um, offer our customers um, a basically we're offering them data analytics um, and they're getting the aerial imagery um, with that. And, and what we're looking at specifically on, on a lot of the acres that we signed up for or that are signed up or are looking for um, nozzle issues on irrigated acres um, through our smart pivot monitoring service. Um, but along with that, um, they're also getting uh, crop stress detection. So whether it's areas of high, high vigor or low vigor, um, you know, getting notifications on those to, um, you know, quantify the number of acres that are showing up. Are they, um, are those areas getting larger or smaller, you know, from week to week? Um, so the, there's a lot of things that we're looking at um, I'll concentrate on the crop stress detection first, and then I'll talk about the smart pivot monitoring. But um, whether it's satellite data or aerial imagery, we can pick up those little nuances, like I mentioned a while ago, of 
you know, based on statistics and based on how a, a, an area in a field is, is growing or um, decreasing in size, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a reason for that. And with, you know, our boots on the ground and being able to identify, okay, this is a disease area. This is a nutrient deficient area. This is, um, a water hole or water stress, whatever, um, you know, being able to pick those up very early on and identify those just helps make what we're doing, you know, that much better. And quantifying too, you know, cause I can't tell you how many questions as an agronomist, well, how big is that spot? Well, I don't know, like 10 acres, 20 acres. You don't, I, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the quantification of it is, is a very significant piece because, you know, okay. If you see a spot in a field and you don't have the number of acres on it and it, you know, you've got 120 acres. Um, and then, you know, you see this little red spot that's, let's say, just because it's bright red, the grower may, you know, his eyes are going to be drawn to it. And he's, it's really only like, you know, a quarter of an acre, but it's so drastically different. You know, it may have been a spot where, um, you know, these images are so good, you know, it could be a planter skip and yeah, it's, it's not going to have near the vigor just because there's no plants out there, or it could be weeds in that planter skip that after you sprayed, they all died and now it's starting to show up. And, you know, that's the spot we wanted to see in the field. Um, so, um, you know, but having the ability to, to say, okay, it is a quarter of an acre. Um, and is it getting bigger or smaller, you know, from week to week? Um, you know, that's a significant thing. And if it is, let's say it is a planter skip and we know that that spot's there, we can always snooze that alert um, so that it doesn't keep hounding us. But let's say it's mites or it's, um, let's say if it was sub-irrigated um, ground and that spot keeps getting bigger and bigger, maybe it's a leak and it's just drowning out that, that crop right there. Or, you know, not irrigated stuff um, like, back east you know maybe it's a you know tile line that's not working right or something like that um you know there's there's all kinds of things that you can decide and if it's getting bigger or smaller you know those are definitely area, you know things we need to know about essentially we have a vehicle to find the needle in the haystack So that that is that's what's so crazy, is you're able to pick apart this stuff. Um, it's without near be. I mean, stuff. It's not. This is more time consuming because you just wouldn't find it before. You didn't know it was well, there. But you know, you can check a field. You can be in this spot, that spot. You can make a huge loop. And how many weeks would it take to find this one little thing? And it's exactly. not out of chance you you could miss it or out of chance you could be right in the middle of this spot and it's yeah. just another tool in the toolbox to yeah, be it, it, time. yeah that's why i guess it's kind of a 
uh, it's kind of unfair to say it's time consuming because you just wouldn't even know it's there without it. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and that's where the analytics comes into it, Ethan, is like when it evaluates the imagery for you and puts it in front of your face and says, hey, this spot is right here. It's this many acres. It increased this much from last week. Like, it's yeah. Not not only are you saying that this is a spot that's a problem, but it's increased. You know, it's getting worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got problem, boys. <laughs> yeah. So that's you know where it's not that the data necessarily has gotten that much better. It's our ability to actually evaluate it all in a much more timely manner um, is is what has you know gotten better um you know we're uh remote sense data is not a new thing you know we i've got old magazines from i don't know 60s 70s well they're magazines so they ain't they ain't new science magazine on the web science <laughs> magazines. yes we have, google <laughs> you got paper magazines in your office uh okay boomer yeah that you know that you know we're talking about you know satellites and stuff and but you know from the 80s and and 90s and stuff you know satellite imagery was was not you know wasn't widely used in agriculture but you know we did have um we even had some aerial imagery um back in the early 2000s in the texas panhandle where we were making variable rate growth regulator maps off of it and and applying those um, with aerial applicators so you know this isn't new it's just the ability to to evaluate it and have those all these different indices evaluated like so early season we're using an indice now um, called the, the abbreviation is MSAVI which is a modified soil analysis vegetative index i think i got that right somebody may have to correct me but um it won't be me anyways <laughs> that's good instead of just instead of just using a normal um ndvi indices which is what we normally use the the m savvy indices like actually takes into account for the soil so you know it kind of takes out any kind of soil um What am I going to, what am I trying to say? Anomalies. Uh, anomalies or um, biases that, that it may put into the imagery. So you can actually, you know, pick out, you know, more of, of that green plant material that we're looking for as, you know, before we get, you know, to canopy and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, it, in corn, as we get into, into tassel, like that NDVI, well, basically, um, you know, we've got so much biomass out there, um, it'll, it just washes out basically. Like there's so much green out there, it washes out and, and covers up some of the, you know, discrepancies that we're looking for. And that's where some of these other indices come into play. So, um, and that's what the analytics does for us is evaluates all of that stuff and says, hey, based on 
our analytics of looking through all these different indices, here's the areas of concerns that we have um, and that you should be concerned about. Um, and so with our, then coming back with our ground truth thing, we're able to verify, okay, yes, that was a spot we needed to worry about or no, it wasn't. Um, so it's not like we're taking this as gospel and and okay, that's what it is or no, it's not. Um, you know, that's where the boots on the ground is still a vital piece to this. Well, and, and you're, you're talking, maybe this is alluding to the next conversation, but it, it can be as small as one nozzle in a field that we can detect, you know, you, from as large as multiple acres, but as small as like an area of that one nozzle wets in a field. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, so most of the things that we detect in a, in an aerial image, you know, they still require ground truthing, um, or any kind of remote sense data, but there are certain things that we can, you know, certain patterns like a, an irrigation pattern, um, showing up in a circle that we can with, 85 to 90 percent confidence we could say that is a nozzle that is plugged or partially plugged um, I have seen some rings show up in a field that were from uh, compaction from you know silage cutters or um, silage trucks and stuff but you know once we have those identified you know we can snooze those areas um, and so you know if, if a spot shows up again in that same spot we can pretty much bet that it's probably the nozzle issue but um more often than not if it's in a circle uh, if we're seeing a pattern in a circle um it's going to be a nozzle issue and what you know what we're looking at there so um travion is is providing us a thermal image and then they've got a pan sharpened thermal image which basically just uh, in layman's terms is a is a higher resolution um, from their base product um, so that allows us to get down to that, basically that, you know, single nozzle resolution. Um, and, you know, whether it's, so on a thermal image, we can see hot rings and we can see cool rings, um, which we don't want to see, you know, we want that, that field to be basically it's, when we look at a circle that is being irrigated, we're going to see, you know, a, a cool area where the pivot is that, you know, is cool behind it. And then it's slowly drying, slowly warming. And if we start seeing any kind of banding um, in a circular pattern, whether it's showing hot or cold, um, you know, that's something that our growers need to be aware of um, so that they can either, uh, you know, fix a, a you know a, a J that's come off of their their pivot at the top, or maybe they have a nozzle that came off and they're putting too much water out. Um, splash plates that have been worn out and they're just dumping water straight down. Um, saw that earlier this year. Or if a nozzle's been completely clogged, um, you know, you were talking about you know, being able to identify that we're using things efficiently, you know, what's a better way of, of doing that than saying we're continually monitoring our irrigation systems 
um, through thermal imagery for either applying too much water or not enough water. Um, you know, too much hurts the environment. We're, we're not using our water efficiently like we should and not putting enough water out hurts our crop. So, um, you know, either way, that's a, if we ever get to that point where we've got to document, you know, farming practices or whatever to the end consumer, um, this is just a, another tool to help with that. Um, Cause let's be yeah. honest, everybody loves checking sprinklers, right? <laughs> like walking in and knocking nozzles and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the highlight of your day, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially when your water's 95 degrees. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, corn. It's, like a, it's like a hot tub, you know, Look, oh. except more miserable and not near as fun. So, you know, in having conversations with different guys, um, you know, their main concern is, you know, having reliable help. And, you know, like you say, you know, let's, when corn gets tall or, I mean, waist high or, uh, or taller, walking through that is not a fun thing, you know, especially in 100 degree temperatures. And, you know, if a guy's responsible for walking a pivot every week, you know, if he's not motivated to do it, how good of a job is he doing? Well, how much does that cost you, you know, by that well, one nozzle, you know? And do people actually walk their pivots once the, it's, the corn is tasseled out? I, yeah, I've got a few that actually have algae in the system and they have to, like, there's nothing you can do to fix it. And, um, yeah, you know, in certain cases you'd be able to pick it up, but it's so bad that you walk the sprinkler one way and you think everything's good. And when you walk back, you are unplugging nozzles that were, uh, <laughs> that weren't unplugged before. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, that's yeah. Nuts. So, you know, some of these growers that we have um, signed up for it this year, it's more, you know, of a verification for them. Okay. I'm telling my hired man, okay, you know, you need to go walk this pivot. We've got some clog nozzles. Um, you know, we're, we're able to identify, you know, how far out those nozzles are clogged. So, you know, let's say it was, um, you've got a 1200 foot sprinkler, and you're at 600 feet, you know, is where we see the issue, or if it's at, you know, 100 feet or whatever, um, you know, you can easily identify that and tell your hired man, hey, here you go. And then when we get the next image, you can verify that, you know, they did go do what they were supposed to do. Um, so, or th that the problem was, was fixed. Um, you know, I saw issues this so far this season we started in april like where people were starting up their pivots and they had made like a quarter of a pass and then whole uh spans just shut off like you could just see it in the image and um depending on where that's at that could be a ton of acres mm -hmm. um and when we're deficit watering as it is like a span can't afford to be, you know, short of water at any point. That could be your profit. How many of these issues? How many of these issues are hard to hard to diagnose? Well, I think it's doing this because I've had some that'll spoke, 
so they speed up and slow down yep and you can visually see it like when you when you're riding across on a four-wheeler but to actually <laughs> to catch it to prove that it's doing it is a whole nother animal yeah. in itself i in the majority of the fields that we we have signed up like you see some kind of spoking pretty much on all of them um which i don't know what you do about that but you know in a lot of cases there's probably not not much you can do about it um but when you do see that waviness you you know what it's from um but the one way we don't want to see is as we go down that pivot we don't want to see a wave or a dip down um you know just because we weren't putting water out for sure but, you know you could have a like on corn, you could have a 50 bushel drop right there. Um, you know, for the cotton guys, you could have a, you know, basically not be producing anything hardly right there. So yeah, with, with cotton, you get a shorter, you know, you get some pivot issues and, and it's kind of hard to build back from, especially if you start picking hard or, uh, you know, putting a lot of growth regulator out and you've got stunted cotton because it's dry. Then you, put the same rate of growth regulator on it. You stunt it more. Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, you've got a circle in there that's just. Yeah. You know. And, you know, we we started identifying nozzle issues or, or irrigation issues with with satellite imagery, you know, as we started doing it across all of our acres, um, you know, five, six years ago. Um, and, you know, guys were really – you know, getting some value out of it. But now, you know, that was, so with an NDVI image, we can basically see a problem two weeks before we can see it with the naked eye. But, you know, in looking at, you know, the chlorophyll and the plant health, if we're seeing it in NDVI, it's already affected that crop. Yeah. Yeah, so, if you have a lower rate of chlorophyll, yeah. Yeah, we, we you know, there's nothing – we can kind of prevent it from getting any worse, but we can't prevent the damage that's already happened. Yeah. And that's one cool thing with the thermal is, you know, like if we've got a good profile and we're able to catch it soon enough, you know, we're not going to see that, that drop in crop health. Um, and we're going to save, you know, any kind of yield impact. Um, you know, if it, the water, the moisture that's coming out of the, the irrigation systems, you know, it's either cool or hot. I mean, that's, it doesn't, you know, it's not, we're not looking at crop health. So even if it's still a good, healthy crop right there that doesn't show up in, in NDVI, um, we can fix that problem before it, it affects the, the crop health. And that's, that's where the real value of this comes in um, is, I mean, we're, when can we say we were proactive in, in agriculture, um, especially in farming? So, yeah, because 80% of it's reactive or more. <laughs> so, you know, this, this gives us that opportunity to, yes, the nozzle has already dropped, but they're not, they're not, it necessarily hasn't, you know, affected the crop from a yield standpoint. So that's, that's where we're, we're able to be proactive. Um, so it's, yeah, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of different benefits there to it. Um, 
but you know it does cost money um but at the end of the day when we look at that roi what did it save us you know at the end of the day whenever okay we spent um you know this much money and we had this nozzle issue that could have cost us x amount of dollars you know yeah um so and not only are we doing it to monitor nozzle issues but what we were doing with the satellite imagery we're doing at a with a higher resolution so we can see anomalies you know as they start you know as they are even smaller so so there's multiple benefits um that we can we're just value stacking like we were talking about with the ec data so with with this service uh roughly how many flights can you expect i know that's so um the the their operating license um you know we started back in april and they're attempting to fly three times a week and um, they were wanting to try to get an image a week um that with clouds and weather and stuff that doesn't necessarily happen um so their their operating agreement says that you know basically over the summer they're they're going to provide us 14 images okay um so you know you're you're looking from throughout the season um you know they have to provide us a minimum of 14 images um they're going from basically we started in april and we've got we're going through mid-october so um you know for those guys with irrigated wheat you know we're we're coming to the end of the season for that um but as we go into the heat of the summer here um guys could still take very good advantage of of this service and and get some good value um as we're we're starting to heat up and you know it happens every year as as all the pivots get turned on wells start dropping off pressures change nozzle packages change um, life happens life happens yeah <laughs> so you know it so there's some cool things that i've seen in the imagery so far this year where like it's so precise or so sensitive like i've i've caught sprayers in the field and where they've made a pass like it is cooler in that specific pass than the rest of the field like just from a spray pass can you tell if they're actually doing 15 gallon work or not but i, <laughs> I can't tell you that yet but based on their application map you know coming from their monitor i would hope they could tell you how many like what their rate was but um you know that's just a an indicator of like how accurate or how precise you know or sensitive the thermal is because like you could see like if somebody drove through a field um you know that's a little bit hotter than the ground right next to it whether it was a pickup track or a tractor track or sprayer track um you know you can see that stuff and as as we talk about compaction and all those things like you know it's just 
interesting to see all that and um you know some of it's not something you can do you know about it but it at least proves to you that man this thing is picking up what i think you know if there is a problem you know the picture is going to be what it is like the data is actually picking up these small nuances and if it does show me something i should probably trust it yeah so trust but verify we'll say that exactly so i i even saw where a guy was cleaning out his nozzles and you know you could you could see just the cool spots underneath each nozzle oh we're getting, taking the nozzle off and the dump for a couple minutes yeah 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 that's that's crazy could you see i guess him out there in a warm spot no i didn't see the person <laughs> himself i had I have seen uh, some. Well, then how sensitive is it? I can't see a person. <laughs> well, I could see cows. So that, but, that's a, that's a lot. I mean, we're talking at least seven hundred to seventeen hundred pounds more than a person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, these were wheat pasture cattle, so they probably weighed, uh, you know, eight nine hundred pounds, probably. Yeah. When I could see them, so yeah, they're like, you know, at least five to six times as big as a normal human so yeah i mean they're it's kansas cows (laughs) on that note (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know we we're still signing people up for for these services um you know we um there's been some some posts on uh travion um about what we're doing with floorsat and travion um, we've also done some uh, virtual agronomy sessions with Forsat, um, talking about some of this stuff. And then, you know, of course, the podcast. And we guys can always sign up. Um, you know, if you go to the CropQuest webpage and look under Precision Ag at Smart Pivot Monitoring, there's a way to sign up there or, or just reach out to um, – Reach out to us on on our Twitter or Facebook or um, any kind of email that you find. Talk to your agronomist. Um, you know, we can get you signed up and, and ready to go. Well, John, thank you for uh, bringing that. I mean, that's, it's, it's really cool technology. Um, and, it, you know, it really doesn't do it justice unless you lay your hands on it. And, and actually, we can touch it for a week and talk about this and barely scratch the surface. So we want to get some get John in front of uh, listeners and exposed and, and uh, uh, just to give us an idea of what we have and maybe we'll have some some listener feedback and have John back on to go in depth about some more stuff. For sure. Yeah. So one one last little cool project that we did. This was a number of years ago, but we had a grower that was looking at buying some ground. And he wanted to know what the rock depth was on this ground, um, like how deep the cleachy was and stuff. And we actually did basically a grid sample project with a skid steer and a and an auger. Um, and just we documented how deep each hole was and we were able to make, uh, like we were digging a hole before we got to the rocks. Uh, once we started rock, seeing rocks, we could, you know, take a measurement there and so we were able to make like a rock, you know, our topsoil map 
um, for this grower on deciding if that piece of ground was going to be worth purchasing or not for what he was wanting to do and the crops he was wanting to grow. So that's a little different use of, of the applications that we, we do from a precision standpoint, but it utilizes the same technology that we do when we're measuring fertility or, or something like that. So. Yeah. So if somebody has an idea of something they want to do and test and, you know, measure or map, we can probably figure out a service for you. Yeah. There's a, the best way I describe it is it, it's, it does, it's a disservice to you to tell me, you know, as a grower to, for me to tell you what service we do, because if you can name it, you know, we've done it, have done it, or will do it. I mean, it, we can really tailor all these tools to do whatever um, you're trying to achieve. It's uh, We've got a lot of cool stuff. We've got a lot of great people that can help us accomplish a lot of things. So, yep. well, with that, guys, I guess, uh, do we want to tell them where they can find us? Colt, do you have, do you have the socials? Yeah, not not the social security. Social <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at CropQuest Inc. You can find us on Facebook under CropQuest. Um, you can also email us at media at CropQuest.com. There we go. So please give us some, some feedback. We'd love to have some listener questions, topics, reviews, uh, different stuff like that. And with that, we'll see you all next time. See you, everybody. Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success, being better than the rest. Crop Quest!